You're listening to Once, episode 129, Going Home. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the unofficial podcast for ABC's TV show, Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. And I'm Jenny. We're so happy to have you joining us as we discuss this episode of Going Home, the mid-season finale of Once Upon a Time. Wow. What a great episode. <laughs> Agreed. I've watched this actually four times. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I mean, it's great, but why? Why would you do such a thing? Because it's so beautiful. I can't help it. That's once per day, but I have a feeling you did more than wow. one of those viewings in a single day. Holy cow. Possible. I might have done three of them in a single day. Oh, dear. That means today. <laughs> oh, wow. So, Daniel, would you like to just take the episode? <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> Jeremy and I could take a, a night off, and you can just wag out about this I'll episode. I'll do an interpretive dance about what happens in the episode. <laughs> oh, right now, I'm portraying the curse cloud. If, <sighs> if right now, if you sponsor a purchase of an actual television for us that works well with Once Upon a Time, then maybe I would actually do an interpretive dance of Once Upon a Time <laughs> oh as a whole. Can we get this in writing? <laughs> oh dear. Let's get this in That's writing. That's recorded. And you have to drink coffee first. No. Well, yeah. Somebody buy us a TV. And I'm talking like not some <laughs> tiny little two inch TV, but like a, a like the big wall. 1080p high definition TV, <laughs> flat panel, you know, all of that stuff. Actually, I'd, I'd love to get Panasonic, Samsung, Sony, Sharp, one of them as a sponsor. If you have connections, please let me know. Anyway, let's talk <laughs> about an episode of Once Upon a Time. Besides our ooing and aahing over how awesome this episode was, it also ties in so much with the pilot episode, which I also rewatched large portions of the pilot episode. But looking back, which is really cool because this, we mentioned this in our initial reactions, this felt like it could have been a season finale. Did. Or series. Or series finale. I can't wait till it comes back. So going back to the beginning and coming then to see this episode again really made it feel like it was wrapping up, that this was the conclusion of the story, that it was so beautiful from what we saw in the beginning to what we see here and wrapped up, not sure, not in a complete happy ending. Mm -hmm. I think we'll get that when the series ends completely. But for this mid-season, just so beautifully wrapping up so many things, Mm -hmm. answering so many questions, sure, raising a ton of other questions and the villains are finally coming to terms that they are villains but they're both doing incredibly good things like they're making right their wrongs yeah and we'll talk a lot more about that too as we go into this but as you guys have seen this since this is the mid-season finale and the show won't be back until march what are some of your thoughts on this episode overall what did you like about it your high points low points like quick tweet length review of the episode (laughs) You don't have to count your characters. To. <laughs> okay, okay. Now that I don't have to count my characters. <laughs> I was just... Okay, I'll give my most shocking moment, and I'll give my most awkward moment that I felt was on this episode. <laughs> shocking moment was when Blue Fairy came back from the dead. You I called was, that shocking? 
I didn't expect that. It was like, okay, yeah. well done. And I was like, who is that? Oh my gosh, it's Blue Fairy. You should be dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what all the sneaky fairy people are saying. <laughs> and the most awkward moment was while Rumpelstiltskin was killing his dad, like their faces were like an inch <laughs> apart. <laughs> and that was sweet. The Rumpelstiltskin died kissing his dad on the cheek. That was really sweet. But when they were talking, their faces were like an inch apart. Yeah. That Would was awkward like for me. <laughs> Would you like a tic <laughs> Jeremy, what about you? Uh, I don't even know. It should be over. Not really. That would be a bad ending for the whole show. I can't summarize it. Mm. Yeah, well, well, let's get into this a lot more. And what was really cool about this episode is how they did the flashbacks. And that's part of what made it feel like a series finale instead of just a mid-season or season finale is that they gave us flashbacks for several of our main characters. For Emma, Henry, Prince Charming and Snow White, and Rumpelstiltskin. We got these several flashbacks, so let's start talking about some of these flashbacks in the past, starting with Snow and Charming, when they meet with Blue, or when they're talking there with Blue near the wardrobe. This is, I would guess, maybe five or six months into Snow's pregnancy, so maybe two or three months before the curse actually comes. And Blue said something really interesting that I think could be taken both ways, or two different ways, but here is Blue's quotation. One day, when the time is right, our story will reveal itself to her. You have to trust me. So we're thinking the storybook, right? Right. Yeah. I was. But then she said... I don't know how it's going to reveal itself to her. Yeah. So it's like, sort of a guess. Oh, wait, you don't know. (laughs) So that makes me wonder, how does she know that? How did she get this information that she herself doesn't even fully understand? Maybe she just dumped some ingredients into, you know, preparation for the curse and didn't know what was going to (laughs) happen. She said that she chooses to believe. Yeah. So she didn't mean a book. She didn't know how it would happen. She just... And it wasn't just the book. It was Henry and it was everything. So you don't think that she had a, a hand in making the book happen? I don't know. I think she did. Because, like I said, this is maybe two or three months before the curse comes. So maybe from this, when she's got this great big hope, she then goes back with her other fairies in the full color of the rainbow and starts trying to figure out how can we make sure that the story is remembered and someone comes up with the great idea of, hey, let's write it down. That's a great way to remember things. Oh, shut up. Not quite in that voice. Hey, let's write it down. (laughs) So I still think that even this, even though it sounds like she's uncertain, this doesn't cross out the possibility that Blue Fairy had something to do with the book. And maybe from this, that's what she was inspired to do is create the book or get the fairies together to create the book so that someday at the right time, Henry would find it. Yeah. Unless there's something a little more end game that they're still saving about the book. Well, he did learn a little bit more about the book mm-hmm. in this episode. Just a little. Uh, well, how it came to be in Mary Margaret's possession, which was spontaneously in her closet. Yeah. yeah. That she which... cleaned out the same day of every week. <laughs> yeah. And she said she'd done it thousands of times. 
How many times can you clean your closet out? 1,000. Just 1,000 divided <laughs> I mean, by 52 is over 19 years. Is she incredibly messy? Does she just throughout the week toss things in there or something? Maybe. Oh, this is last week's sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're snow white, maybe when all the bluebirds and other creatures are coming over and oh. making <laughs> homes and not cages in your closet, <laughs> then maybe you need to clean it a little more often than once a week. But... <laughs> of course, there is the big theory out there that August had something to do with the book because he has the typewriter he yeah. added to the book. I think it could somehow be both August and the fairies. I feel like we're done with August. Yeah, I think so. But then again... He didn't have a book with him. Right. We never saw him have a book, but he did add to the book. What I'm realizing this show does is people have these happy endings... And they are done in about 10 seconds flat. And they're gone. We, I mean, so many people have just disappeared. And we may see them again here and there. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see Cinderella again. Well, we did. No. In Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. Yeah, not until, but only that. Only that little cameo. Well, and there was when her prince proposed to her. When Sean proposed to her in the Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, but I guess that's the Skin happy deep. ending. I mean, we didn't even see a wedding. And yeah, I guess that that was it. What I think that ties in with this, also with the book, is the storybook is all about hope. And we hear that more from Snow White or Mary Margaret in Let's Jump to discussing that scene when she's with Henry. In the episode, it shows up a little bit later. But when Henry is at school and the subtitle says October 2011. Once Upon a Time started on October 23rd, 2011, and later on, the writers started actually using dates and confirmed, and we pick up the story with Emma on that date, October 23rd. Mm-hmm. So that this happens in October 2011 means Henry had this book for only a couple weeks before he went out to find Emma. One to three weeks, really. Hmm. Probably just two weeks. That he then got this book, started eating up the content that's in it, figuring this stuff out. Interesting. And I really like how we get to see what the writers had told us outside of the TV show that Henry was growing up, questioning why he was seeing everything around Mm -hmm. him stay the same while he was changing. Mm -hmm. Well, we got that finally in this episode. He'd be doing the same homework. (laughs) Really? Over and over again, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, he would have been moving up in grades. Yeah. By the way, speaking of homework, I noticed, I noticed his um, blank family tree mm. that he tucked away. And I'm thinking that's the homework that he didn't turn in. Oh, yeah. Because oh. he kind of hid it when Mary Margaret came by. Like he put it in his binder, closed it up, put his lunchbox over it. By the way, his lunchbox was a Tron lunchbox. Yeah, Tron Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, Kitsis and Horwitz wrote together. Oh, yeah. that's neat. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Which, I mean, timeline-wise fits because Tron Legacy was out around this time. Well, yeah, but I don't get the feeling that people in Storybrooke are current on their movies, typically. <laughs> yeah, they're, they they have cell be. phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the family tree thing got him thinking, the mm-hmm. whole thing of everything else. It was nice to actually see him deal with living in the same kind of day like all around him and he's the only one who's changing Mm -hmm. like everybody else is pretty much the same and 
doing the same thing over and over and over again, like Mary Margaret cleaning out her closet. <laughs> it was probably very stable growing up. Probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is your life unpredictable? Because it seems to me like everything's pretty much the same around here, except me. I'm special. That would be really confusing. <laughs> yeah, and to Mary Margaret, though, she's hearing it as, here's this boy that feels like he doesn't fit in, and, oh, he needs comfort. He needs hope. And that's where we come to then this book that Mary Margaret pulls out and describes. By the way, yeah. where did she pull that from? Did she have a bag? Yeah, she had. Okay. <laughs> kind of one of those giant purse <laughs> I things. didn't see the bag. I was <laughs> I like, guess she where did she must have awesome pockets or like, something. Looking for this? <laughs> she Something might have back. thought, huh, where'd this book come from? Maybe it came from school, so maybe I should take it back there. Maybe mm. that's why she had it with her so handy like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about why she had it. Maybe she came to give it to Henry anyway. <laughs> it looked like she got that idea while she was talking with that's Henry. That's funny. Of, She's huh, like, he would probably like this. I don't know. I found this giant book and decided to carry it around because my purse is really big and I don't know why I have a big purse like that. <laughs> Some girls like big purses. <laughs> but here's what <laughs> Just Mary, saying. Here's what Mary Margaret said. This morning I was cleaning out my bedroom closet, like I've done every week, thousands of times. And do you know what happened? I found something. Something I've never noticed before. It was just there. Like Poof. match it. <laughs> this book somehow arrived. Was it given to me? Did I forget about it? I don't know, but there it was. And do you know what I saw when I looked inside? I love that she said that because mm -hmm. that's what we heard Blue Fairy and and Snow talking about mm -hmm. and Charming. And hope is really a big theme of the whole episode. Jenny and I started reading a little bit of the Once Upon a Time book, which is just a collection of some of Grimm's fairy tales. You can get it as a printed book or an ebook, but it was released special for this TV show back in 2011. And it has a foreword or an introduction in the front from Kitsis and Horowitz. And let me read this excerpt from you or for you. <laughs> the approach we took was to dig into the world of these iconic figures and find what it was about them that touched us so deeply. What we discovered was a powerful force that seemed to connect all these tales. Hope. For us, that's what a fairy tale is. It's the ability to hope that your life will improve. It's the same reason we believe people buy lottery tickets. If you win, you get to quit your job and move to Paris or pursue whatever dream eludes you in your daily grind. These days, hope is especially important and relevant to our lives. We wanted to write something that, for one hour each week, could transport our audience to a place where they could set everything aside and remember the hope they felt as children reading these tales for the first time. That feeling of hope. The one, that one can transcend the circumstances into which he or she was born, or that one can find, no matter how difficult it seems, true love, was the idea we wanted to build upon. And thus, Grimm's fairy tales became a jumping off point for our show. The cherished place they hold in our hearts is what led us to delve into these characters and explore the icons we grew up with. And by the way, I'll have a link in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 129 if you'd like to purchase that book if you haven't already because it's great it's it's mostly the grim fairy tales but it's got this introduction and a, a copy of the first script for the pilot episode of once upon a time it's really cool <laughs> i didn't even realize that was in there 
But also in the same scene with Henry at school, there's a nice, real nice tie-in with the pilot episode. Listen to what Mary Margaret said to Henry. They are a reminder that our lives will get better if we just hold on to hope. Your happy ending may not be what you expect, but that is what will make it so special. More about hope, and then especially this. Believing in even the possibility of a happy ending is a powerful thing. Now, jump back three and a half years <laughs> to the pilot episode of Once Upon a Time. Two and a half. When, yeah, when <laughs> Emma went with Regina to talk to Mary Margaret to find out where Henry was in the school. And this is what Mar- Mary Margaret said to Emma. What do you think stories are for? These stories, the classics, it's a reason we all know them. They're a way for us to deal with our world. Well, it doesn't always make sense. Look, I gave the book to him because I wanted Henry to have the most important thing anyone can have. Hope. Believing in even the possibility of a happy ending is a very powerful thing. Hmm. And there it was. Yay. I thought it sounded familiar. That's Quoted great. again. And that's so awesome then to see hope so tied into this, which when we see how this episode ends, I think we can still hold on to that hope that everything still will be okay. Good will win and everyone will be back together again at some point. But the the idea of that happy ending is what they need to keep holding on to. What else stood out to you guys about when Henry got this book for the first time? He said, Emma, kind of in a something's waking up kind of way. At least that's what I read into it. <laughs> Emma, lovely name. <laughs> <laughs> but it could have been, that could have been a trigger on purpose. Hmm. If it was such Ooh. a short time before he went to find her. If that was a trigger, that makes me wonder if Rumpelstiltskin had something to do with the book. Mm. Because remember, Rumpelstiltskin did want the curse broken. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That, that's a new theory to chew on for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's so, I mean, we can talk more about it later, but it's so interesting that they left the book and that it kind of got swallowed by the cloud. Mm-hmm. Or did it. Or did it, yeah. I mean, I mostly expect to see it again. But at the same time, its they... purpose could already be served. Why would they waste a shot on the book if it weren't going to... To tell us it's that part's over? Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Or to make us think it's over. <laughs> yeah. Really, it would have been more poetic. Actually, if they meant to tell us that it's over... They're going to kick themselves for not doing this. If the book had been open on the bed and the wind had blown it closed. Mm. <laughs> kind <laughs> of the reverse of what happened in the car. Or shown the the end page in right? the book. No, that would have been like, end everybody would thought the series, series was over. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> I think <laughs> Too much closure. I think, well, let's talk about that. Let's, uh, I think with them showing the book being enveloped by the smoke with the curse at the end of the episode... I think they're telling us that this aspect of the series is done. We don't need to cover this anymore because especially looking back at how the pilot episode was, the setup for everything and reminding us where we were and that so much is coming full circle 
and being wrapped up in so many ways, tied together, loose knots cut off, loose ends cut off, all of this stuff. (laughs) And then seeing that book being um, swallowed by the cloud, it makes me think they're done with this approach. With I mean, with that whole story arc that has now spanned across three and a half or two and a half seasons. What if that book ends up in the woods somewhere? Yeah, that's the other thing. Hmm. Maybe Emma could find it at some point. Hmm. And, or maybe Hook will go find it and bring it to Emma. <laughs> but she's already been woken up once by the book. Oh, sure. yeah. I loved that moment. <laughs> right? I loved it. I love it. Let's watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely a bunch of episodes I'm going to rewatch during this winter hiatus. And I hope you guys are, too, because there's so much great stuff, especially as you go back and rewatch some of the key episodes and then rewatch this one going home. Then so much makes awesome sense and connects really well. One of the other flashback scenes that we got was from Enchanted Forest with Rumpelstiltskin on Bay's birthday. And the one little detail here, which I'm sure many people noticed, but just in case you didn't, is Rumpelstiltskin had Bay's shawl that he later on enchanted and was the thing that he was able to use to be able to cross the town line mm-hmm. without losing his memories. And it's the one thing that he had that belonged to Bay that Mila had made for him. So his little remembrance ceremony there no cake or anything but there was still a candle candle. (laughs) a nice little remembrance and that would place it i would say near the middle end or the last kind of third or quarter part of the events that we see in the episode skin deep because there was that part where in skin deep bell learned that rumpelstiltskin had a son because she asked about the clothes that she found Mm mm-hmm And so that's when he told her, I had a son once I lost him. Right. And then so that she knows that that's how she was able to know what he was probably doing. And she didn't catch on fast enough. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I'll just put these flowers over here on the other side of the room where you happen to be doing this thing. (laughs) And speaking of sons, we got to see that scene from the beginning of series three when Emma gave birth to Henry. And I really, really wish that they could tell us that they'd filmed both versions exactly as we see them or got to see them, that they just filmed it straight one after the other back then and told mm-hmm. Jennifer Morrison, keep this a complete and total secret. You yeah. can't tell anyone what happened here. I wish that's the way they did it. But the more and more I watched those two scenes, the the scene that we saw from the episode, The Heart of the Truest Believer, and this tiny little add-on scene where she says, no, wait a minute, let me hold him. I just see too many differences between yeah. those. Well, honestly, the way the episode's written, they I can easily see that scene not having been planned. Because to me, it's slightly confusing. I mean, it's not, but it is. Because despite everything they said, it almost looks like history being rewritten. Clearly, that's what she now remembers. That's her, yeah, it's her memory. But, I mean, I know. I, was, I see the theories. I know there are people out there who are completely confused by that scene. So, <laughs> I don't know, um, you know, that they would have necessarily planned that scene from the beginning. Right. Well, they cut, when they show that scene, the add-on to it, they cut from uh, back and forth 
from Emma driving with Henry. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts back to show Emma driving. So I think it's telling us this is now what she remembers. Yeah. Yeah. I kept yeah, waiting I like that. for them to say, oh, huh, what are we doing out here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I was waiting for that as well. Like, so where are we going from? It sounds like they were, <laughs> where on are we a coming trip? from? We're going, wow, this Cinnabon is really far out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did they arrive somewhere with no luggage? I don't know. Would you like anyway. some pizza kit? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've heard it's really good and it doesn't lie. <laughs> I don't know where I heard that, but I just heard it somewhere. <laughs> but, you know, speaking of something that's even better than pizza, because doesn't lie and really supports us better than pizza ever oh, could. My. Are those of you who have donated to help support One's podcast, we really, really appreciate your support. And some of these people have been around for a while sponsoring the podcast. So big thanks. Thank you, Steve Johnson. Thank you, David Newland. Thank you, Amanda <laughs> Rovar. And thank you, Marianne Lavodi. Thank you so much for your support because the podcast is expensive to run and it's so much easier to do that though and cover those expenses with your help. We really appreciate your support. And uh, a couple of these names, Steve and David, you hear a lot because they're subscribers. They automatically donate each month. Some others will donate one time, sometimes automatic. That's really up to you. So thank you so much for contributing, helping us make this podcast and being part of the community. And if you haven't donated and you'd like to consider donating, then please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor. Coming up pretty soon, we'll have a really cool opportunity for a way that you can support the podcast without donating to a specific episode. But that will be something we'll talk about probably during the hiatus. Big thanks, though. Steve, David, Amanda, and Marianne. Last scene here, flashback scene, is when they're in Neverland in the past. As we're jumping around for these different things, I like that we also got to see Hook in Neverland and learn just a little bit more about what happened. But we still don't know exactly what his deal was. With Rumpelstilts or with Be- <laughs> let me go up the family tree here with Peter Pan. It's like you're their grandfather. But I'm guessing now that we know Peter Pan is Rumpelstiltskin's father, I'm guessing Hook just simply said something to Peter Pan like, "I want to go take my revenge on Rumpelstiltskin and kill him." And Peter mm. Pan then thinking, "Oh." That's my boy. That's been this pain in my side for many, many years. I want him dead. Go right along, Hook. Let's make a deal. You kill him and I'll let you go or something like that. They could have had some kind of deal like that now that we know their connection. That's funny. That is possible. And timeline-wise, this would probably be... Well, this is no earlier than about 10 years Storybrooke and Enchanted Forest time before the curse, because this is after Tink lost her wings. But it's obviously before Hook made it back to Enchanted Forest for uh, him to meet up with Korra and for Regina to cast the curse. So that would place it, I think, in that about 10-year gap from when Regina had just married King Leopold, Snow was somewhere around 10 years younger than she was before the curse. So it's somewhere in that time period. Hmm. And I, I enjoy the time period, the timeline stuff. So that's why you often hear me talking about that. I still want to know how 
Tinkerbell got to Neverland. Yeah. Kind of. Because she, um, she lost her wings in the Enchanted Forest, mm-hmm. didn't she? Mm-hmm. And it, she didn't exactly gain a mermaid's fin. Yeah. So how did she get there? That's a great question. Maybe it was some kind of deal she made with Peter Pan. That Peter Pan found her and said, hey, how about you come work with me? I believe in you. Maybe the shadow thought she was a boy for some reason. <laughs> she definitely doesn't look like a boy. No, she doesn't. But, you know, the shadow seemed kind of stupid for a while. So, maybe, Well, okay, here, maybe she was standing by a window looking at a star. <laughs> she was trying to get her wings away. She was like, I believe. No, actually, <laughs> I believe, I believe. That could actually be it. That's, that is what I was going to say. But That's hilarious. That, doesn't a kid have to say that? Doesn't a kid... We don't Maybe know, not if really. you say it enough times and the shadow gets tired of hearing it. <laughs> what do you want? You're not I'll a kid and you're you. not a boy, but you are coming with me because I am so sick of hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah as great. silly as it sounds, that could be it, though. Uh, really. Yeah, it, it is a little silly, but we. I don't know if that's a story we'll actually learn <laughs> same thing with like how hook actually got off neverland i don't know if that's a story we'll learn a story we even need to know yeah. just that it happened is enough to go <laughs> on. and one of the things that i wonder is we see hook drink from his rum bottle so many times that's similar to rum bell <laughs> at one point because disney owns abc and disney did pirates of the caribbean I want to see Hook say, huh, the, the rum's rum gone. gone. Why is the rum gone? <laughs> Why is the rum gone? <laughs> because it has never been empty from that bottle. Tink sure uh, disarmed quickly over that. She's just like, oh, rum. Mm, nice. Yes, please. What knife? Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> 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 I think she tweeted while she was drinking. Uh, <laughs> Once dude in our chat room said, I ship rum hook. Rum hook. Rum hook. <laughs> rum hook. Or maybe hum <laughs> that's kind of like uh henry bond yeah we'll just start pairing people with their favorite <laughs> foods <laughs> captain tink that's yeah. weird hmm. so they do have a past and at some point we thought though that maybe hook knew tink when she still had magic but here in this episode she said no i lost magic a long time ago i think hooks always believed in tink yeah he he might not have believed what she was saying in this episode, just thinking, oh, you've got it, but you're just not going to use it. Yeah. I think he believed she could get it back. Yeah. So let's move on then to talking about Storybrooke back in the present. As uh, Maybe this... for the last time. Yeah. No. Well, do you think this is the last time we'll be in Storybrooke? Well, yeah, unless, it's over. Unless they're all standing there at the edge of town going, um... What happened? <laughs> Why didn't that work the way we thought? <laughs> Where are we then now? It would be really... The world's gone. Now it's just Storybrooke. <laughs> it would be really ridiculous if <laughs> by the end of this season or mid-season next season, they're like, somebody taped together the scroll and they're casting the freaking curse again. That would be ridiculous. And then Storybrooke gets recreated. It would be the biggest shark uh, jump ever. That would be so... ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, unless there's just something I'm not thinking of, Storybrooke might actually be gone this time. Well, from a production perspective, if they wanted to give us some flashbacks to Storybrooke, 
they could easily do that from a sound stage, just Maybe. giving us indoor shots, like of the mayor's office, <laughs> of her home, of uh, you know different places like that around Storybrooke, Granny's Diner. Yeah, I wonder if Steveston just got tired of Once Upon a Time. Like, okay, okay, that's okay. Let's you could stop now. Stop. <laughs> Take destroying your show our town. elsewhere. <laughs> no more running through the streets. The pawn shop is closed. We're going home. <laughs> so the first scene that we see, well, it cuts between two scenes a lot. Uh, here in the first bit of this episode, but let's talk about Pan and Felix at the well. I never saw him uncork a single one of those bottles. How on earth did they... <laughs> they break their glass. <laughs> yeah, but it was water down there. How would they break? Well, maybe he just, like, believed that the bottle no longer existed yeah, when it got down Yeah, but he's not Neverland. Pan still had his Neverland magic. Yeah. How did he do that? Because <laughs> he's Pan. Pan never fails, except when he does. Except when, yeah. (laughs) We've seen others do this as well, because I think Rumpel dropped the true love potion into the well. Did he uncork it first? Oh, hmm. I don't remember whether he uncorked it. Uh, But in any case, potions dropped down there. Why didn't they just, (laughs) why did they have to waste a perfectly good bottle? They could have just, you know, poured the stuff out <laughs> i think it was gonna cease to exist anyway uh, <laughs> this was the curse to end the curse to end all curses oh it was the meta curse oh goodness but one of the things i was thinking about is why the well because the well is what brings things back that have been lost my thinking here is that the curse in a sense was lost because it was broken and so the well's power of bringing things back that were lost is what enables him to cast the curse Good again. Good point. Yeah. Or it's just the cauldron that everybody wants to use yeah, for they didn't magic. bother explaining it, so it was almost like it was just poetic because poetic. Because... They were like, hey, yeah. we can't have this act too quickly because we have a lot to do after the curse <laughs> is cast, so... I feel like the well was a good distance from town. Maybe we should do that again. <laughs> so they did it. I like... I like Both the... of those theories. <laughs> Either one could work. Doesn't really matter. Storybook yeah. is gone. Mm. But, and so was Pan. But we got to learn a little bit more about love, which I think we've kind of seen this a little bit before, but here's what Pan through Henry said. Love can mean many things, Felix. It doesn't just come from romance or family. It can also come from loyalty, friendship. Jared Gilmore, he did a great job being Peter Pan. This time, yeah. Yeah, in this episode, I thought. Did a great job. He's like, just as I got the hang of it, I have to go Uh, back. And and I did notice a great difference with Robbie Kay from when he was acting as Henry and acting as Peter Pan. Hmm. I noticed some good differences there. Hmm. That he just instantly seemed not innocent when he was Peter Pan in... Uh, in that body again versus when he was henry he mm-hmm. kind of seemed innocent yeah yeah i thought it was funny that felix not funny but i noted that felix called him peter which i don't think we had heard hmm. when they were around everybody else so i guess they were pretty good friends mm-hmm. but uh i still think that's a slight cop out <laughs> but i guess if that's 
He's like, well, I've got this one friend, and he's always believed in me. That's who I love the most. The guy just doesn't really love in mm. general, so I guess that makes sense that Felix is what he loves most. Like, there's not really anything else <laughs> or anyone. I thought it was. I, mean, I didn't know this before. And, like, I, I, I just figured that at some point, what was his dad's name before he was Peter Pan? Did we ever figure that out? Yeah, we'd heard it in that episode, but I can't remember it at the moment. Anyway. Yeah. Chat room will let us know. Rumpelstiltskin's yeah. dad never loved him, he said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's... that's sad. Malcolm. And and he was talking about him later to his face. I know. About being like a parasite or a little larva. I know. That I was hate him hurtful. more than ever. Yeah. So hurtful. It's... Such it's, a selfish, selfish person. Yeah, and when he crushed Felix's heart, not even a look nope. at all of remorse. No nothing. tear. Nothing like that. I mean, even Regina, when she crushed the heart, which is a lonely hunter, <laughs> of <laughs> Graham. <laughs> she had some emotion. Yeah. <laughs> she's always had mo- emotion when she's crushed hearts. It's either like fury or anger or... yeah. Something. Yeah, and to Pan, then it was just like nothing. Yeah, nothing. He alluded to the idea of love being weakness, which we tend mm. to hear from the villains yeah. in this show. Well, he mastered even with a heart. Yeah, I guess he wasn't he, weak. He did what Cora could not do. Yeah, you're right. He's <laughs> like he loves less than Cora, and he had a heart. He yeah, two hearts heart. at one point. Yeah. Well, even right now, he has the heart of the truest believer, and he yeah. could still do that. Yeah. So heartlessly, yep. kind of. <laughs> oh yeah. no! I just realized the story of Peter Pan is forever different. Yeah, because the guy, Although, the boy in green, is never going to be the same for me. Some would say I have heard people who say that they never liked him and couldn't really understand how such a little brat was <laughs> a hero anyway, and so this all makes perfect sense. But I've always liked Peter Pan because he's like a fun-loving kid, and he doesn't grow up, and he's just he's just fun. And now he's like evil, and he's crushing hearts, and he's horrible. dying. Well, you know what else? And actually, an old man in disguise. Well, that's because he wants to have all of his fun. And he wants nothing to keep him from his fun. All of the bottles, he just kind of knocked in nonchalantly without even opening them. The heart, he crushes and lets drop as powder, which when Regina cast the curse, neither time that she tried did she do anything to the heart. She just kind of <laughs> well, plopped want, it in there. He didn't want Felix jumping in after his heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> or Felix to be suffering from the fire. or Well, there was no fire down there. But... Or maybe he didn't want his friend... To turn on him suddenly. Yeah, maybe. You took my heart, man. Well, yeah, because Felix, Felix's last words were, no, wait. Yeah, he could have yeah. he could have taken his heart back. Mm-hmm. Poor Felix. At the same time as this Whoa, is happening. That was said. Who would have ever thought? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Felix, may you rest in peace, or as he says... His eulogy should be spoken in like slow slurs. <laughs> Rest in peace, uh, and, dear Felix, who was ripped from us. <laughs> oh my goodness! So at the same time as this is happening, 
Then our good guys are over at the vault, just having come from the vault, picks up right from where the last episode left off. And they talk about the black fairy. Well, she's not a color of the rainbow. So I wonder who she is. And I wonder if we'll ever meet her. Black, when you're talking about additive light or additive colors like light, black is the absence of all colors. Black is the absence of light. Why wouldn't black fairy be original magic? No, not original magic. They didn't say anything about original magic. No, no, no. I'm talking about blue fairy. Oh. Because blue, you can't get. (laughs) Or why why wasn't white fairy original magic? (laughs) Why, why, why couldn't a white or, or the black fairy be original magic? Why did it have to be blue? Perhaps rumors of blue fairies' power have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> uh, hmm. Or, or maybe white fairy just gave the power. I don't know. We as well as her death, come uh, to think of it. <laughs> so the black fairy is one of the most powerful fairies ever. Well-versed in magic. Dark magic. Dark magic, yeah but was exiled and blue fairy took her wand in our initial reactions. We made clear that this isn't just talking about a fairy who's black, like an African-American. Fairy. Right. Right. I was thinking, I don't think people from the enchanted forest are American. <laughs> <or African. laughs> I was thinking black dress, you know, like how all these other fairies are wearing yeah. their colors. And it's, it's definitely not Cinderella's fairy godmother because Rumpelstiltskin has had that wand. That was the yellow fairy. As Jeremy pointed out last what episode. Did I? I think you did. <laughs> Yellow fairy. Yellow fairy. Hmm, I don't remember saying that. But <laughs> as uh, we received this feedback from Gareth saying, I just wanted to note something Tinkerbell said. She said that the black fairy was very powerful in dark magic and that the blue fairy exiled her. That, that, suggests, that suggests that she is still out there somewhere and could come back. I think that the Black Fairy will be a witch of some kind, as there are a lot of stories about witches that have not yet been told. I think we'll see her soon, as they tend to drop clues of what is coming, and I don't remember them mentioning her before. What if she was Hansel and Gretel's witch? Hmm. Well, Hansel and Gretel's witch... She was blind. ...was Regina. Or are you talking about the blind witch in the cabin? The blind witch. She was cooked. She was cooked. <laughs> She's black she was now, cooked, dairy. but it could have been in her past that she had wings and a black wand. Gravy or butter. <laughs> I don't have that on my soundboard uh, anymore. <laughs> or butter. <laughs> I think I just spit a little bit. Whoops. <laughs> so did she. It's okay. That was a very accurate interpretation. <sighs> and one thing here to note about the black fairy's wand is so this wand is well versed in dark magic as well because it's been used by a fairy that's well versed in dark magic and she probably used this wand. Why does it be dark magic to switch them back? Because that's what did it in the first place? Well yeah, Pan has dark magic. Why can't they use powerful light magic to switch them back? I mean, They just come on. don't mix they just... <laughs> So they can't fight good with fight evil with good you have to fight fire with fire dark with dark light with light although light doesn't really fight but think about (laughs) this we've only seen rumpelstiltskin use a good fairy's wand before this episode he'd never used a bad fairy's wand before to our knowledge the wand that he tended to prefer was cinderella's fairy godmother's (laughs) wand i don't know it depends on 
Of course, as I always say, everything episode four and before, I don't necessarily consider canon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously it is, but there's room for error, a margin for error in the first four episodes of the series. And that one was in that zone. And the reason I bring that up is because, as we've discussed before, he called that wand pure evil. Mm-hmm. That he took wow. from the so yes <laughs> he doesn't lame. like fairies so yes right so pure there are a few different interpretations plus the fact that it was episode four and therefore in my mind they may have still been saying things that they didn't intend to honor later <laughs> I, I think it <laughs> was it is a thought I think he called it pure evil because he was trying to sell Cinderella, Cinderella. his abilities which yeah. he would highly recommend his abilities right and yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, when the fairies have done something with magic, they haven't talked about there being a cost and having to make a deal. Rumpelstiltskin was always about the deals with his magic. That if you want this magic, then you have to sign this contract, do this deal with me, owe me a favor, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think we need like a like a side series about all the fairies. <laughs> oh my. I would love to see that. <laughs> Once upon a time in fairy tale land. <laughs> Once upon a time in Flowerland. Because, <laughs> you know, that's where they live, right? Because flowers. Flowers. Just flowers. Moving on to the next scene. In Gold's workshop, the book of spells that Rumpel was reading from, there seemed to be some familiar pages there that we might have seen before as he was looking through some of these spells. And I couldn't translate some of this stuff, but we'll have some screenshots in the show notes at oncepodcast.com slash 129. If you want to try and translate and let us know what these spell books actually say, if they're even translatable. But like we saw, my guess would be they'd be Latin. But um, And then there were some other weird symbols that could be uh, Arabic or something completely made up, or maybe even the universal dialect from Commander King. Who knows? <laughs> but my my guess would be they're Latin because in Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, we saw someone cast a spell and they were saying words. And I read the subtitles, <laughs> ran it through Google Translate and discovered it was Latin, which makes mm-hmm. sense because a lot of curses are spoken in Latin. And people on Lost spoke Latin. Yeah. It's when you want an old language, Latin. Well, it's it is a dead language. <laughs> when you want an old language, Latin. <laughs> you can do commercials for them. I thought it was strange. Not, I mean, a little strange, a little rude, maybe, or not super super thoughtful. Emma speculating about what life would have been like if she'd kept Henry. I get it, but it was kind of like. She's saying it to Mary Margaret. She's saying, yeah, we'd have had a normal life. Hmm. And I'm thinking, yeah. And your parents, you would have never met. They would still be trapped in Storybrooke and they would be forever, I guess. They would have just been trapped there. So to me, I mean, it not only accomplishes showing that she'd thought about having the life that she now has post episode, Hmm. but... That's part of the whole point about life taking twists and turns and what Charming had said to Snow in the past about the curse just being another turn in life. And the whole message, all the things that they said throughout this episode about um, the happy ending not always being what you expect. They're not exactly to a happy ending yet, but having found them and broken the curse, 
that's all stuff that didn't go in that perfect life she's imagining, but it was worth having and worth doing. Yeah. And some of it is uh, from selfishness a little bit of just thinking, you know, this is a hard time now. Yeah. And if I didn't do this, then there wouldn't be this hard time. Henry even had one of those moments right at the end saying, if I'd never brought Emma here, of course he doesn't mean that because he would never have known his mother, Mm -hmm. you know, his biological mother. Yeah. But you can understand the what if moment. But clearly, he wouldn't have really wanted to live under the curse forever. Yeah, the the relationships that came from this, really. You look at Lost as well, and (laughs) how these characters' lives were improved. Most of the characters, some of the characters' lives were improved so greatly from their experience, or just really changed, and they they respected it. But we got some nice uh, insight into something here from Slurpees 108 about the unicorns. She said, In Mr. Gold's shop, Snow showed Emma the unicorn mobile that was supposed to hang over her crib. Emma said that she liked the unicorns. In heraldry, the unicorn is a symbol of innocence. In The Doctor, we saw Regina getting magic lessons from Rumpelstiltskin in which he instructed her to take the beast's heart. At first, Regina refused on the principle that the unicorn was innocent, to which Rumpel replied, nothing is innocent. Probably said, dearie. (laughs) Eventually, (laughs) Regina was convinced to take the heart of the unicorn, which set her on the path towards dark magic. And in the first part of season three, we saw Regina give Emma lessons in dark magic, as exemplified when Emma lit a fire or when Emma helped Regina cause a lunar eclipse. Could Emma being pictured beneath the unicorn symbolize that Emma, like Regina, might be further tempted toward dark magic in the future uh, of the second half of season three? Interesting question, Slurpees. Yeah. I would argue that Regina was not teaching her dark magic. She was teaching her magic, and Regina's motivation tends to come from dark places, leaning toward dark magic, but there was not anything inherently dark about what they were doing for example lighting fire is something that tinkerbell did with the pixie dust nothing dark about it it's just regina as taught by rumple was summoning hate and anger Mm -hmm. and others also as taught by rumple like emma doing the protection spell was using love and protection yeah and most likely that is what Tink was thinking is about whom she wants to protect, whom she's trying to save. Yeah. And also thinking, we can fly, we can fly. <laughs> <laughs> At Blue Fairy's uh, memorial service, we're already kind of talking about that, but jumping into that or flying into it, let's say. <laughs> um, one of the things... That I think this explains a little bit for us is why the shadow killed Blue Fairy in the first place. Because the shadow was after the wand and the shadow knew somehow that Blue Fairy had the wand. The shadow knows. I don't know if that's why. I don't. Because they weren't looking for the black wand at that point. But nobody was. If the shadow knew about the black wand, maybe it knew or Pan knew that Blue Fairy had the Black Wand, and that it was powerful enough to stop Pan. Or maybe the Shadow was trying to find it 
because Pan wanted it for himself. Maybe Pan was just like, okay, Shadow, go wreck some havoc so that people will feel afraid and <laughs> and a danger and and Regina will be inspired to protect Henry so I can go down and get magic. Yeah. So go do whatever. And he was like, well, shoot, I'm going to go kill. I'm going to go kill original magic. <laughs> or he's like, that one. That Just one. that random yeah. woman. No, I... Damsel in distress. Or, or maybe maybe the, the shadow actually did do some thinking and thought, well, she's probably the only one who could stop me. But that's not true. If anybody had a candle, anybody could stop. <laughs> well, I think it's a special candle. <laughs> yeah, it, it is enchanted. It it's, is. The coconut's enchanted. Enchanted coconuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think knowing that the shadow was looking for the wand, and they even said that while they were there in that room... That that makes sense why they could just hide, not even completely out of view, but to just kind of get away from the shadow. Is they're not hiding necessarily? They're just getting out of his way. Oh, Which, okay. I was. What yeah, was I he was, doing? I was. He was flying around, looking for the <laughs> screaming, looking you for the black that? fairy's wand. <laughs> like it's the most obvious natural thing. <laughs> well, it was. well, he was just flying around. That's what he does when it, he doesn't have a mission. Why he just didn't he go out of his all way. over that church? Churches have. So many rooms in them. Why wasn't he like? I mean, he was he was acting like a moth, and the that one room was like brilliant flame, maybe, and he couldn't get away from it. Maybe it could somehow feel the black fairy's wand. Yeah, and but what but it didn't have did, to be in that room. He it did didn't come back to where Blue was. It didn't yeah. have to be in that room because Blue Fairy poofed it when she you know woke up. Unless it was well, yeah. She poofed it. It could have come from anywhere. Maybe she had the scent. I'm pretty sure she would have hidden scent that thing. Of the dark wand. No. I'm going to reject that theory. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was funny that they could just, you know, hide in the pews and get away from the shadow. Yeah. But that makes more sense that they were just getting out of his way. That scene was a little funny because aside from the shadow just sort of flying around even as like a Tink sort of threateningly bat. comes toward him and stands in the aisle and he's just like, uh, where do I go? I'm so confused. I'm, I'm flying around. <laughs> I'm not in control right now. Be gone. But I, the other thing I noticed was how much Charming swore in church. It was weird. Oh. <laughs> I was like... Do you always swear this much? It was like three times in 10 seconds. That know. is awkward. Really quickly. Happy birthday, Josh Dallas. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yes. May you never swear in church again. <laughs> On this day that we're recording this episode, which is <laughs> December 18th, it is Josh Dallas's birthday. So thank you so much for being Born. our Prince Charming and helping us to have hope again. Happy birthday, Charming. Happy birthday. We got this email from Greg, though, tying in with the shadow. He said, I thought he was dead. <laughs> I mean, sorry. From Scott about Greg. Okay. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> you didn't mean that, Greg. Scott said, So the shadow, which was part of Neverland, is destroyed. This has to have some consequences. Mm. Also, everyone who had their shadow taken and appeared dead is revived now that the shadow is destroyed? Perhaps. So, does that mean Greg slash Owen is alive again? As far as I know, no one buried him, and what about all the other people Pan apparently stole the shadow from? And mm. this is a question I don't think we'll ever get the answer to. We may not need the answer to, because it may be irrelevant to the story. I mean, maybe Greg is now the sole inhabitant of Neverland. Maybe, but do you remember something was taken from Greg and Tamara? I can't remember what it was, but they said... Their lives. 
Uh, no, it was <laughs> something that oh. was picked up, and they said something about the remains. There were there was this was the only thing left of oh. what was left of Greg. This is what I found. Oh. So I'm thinking, no, I think the never animals uh, yeah. ate him or something. Yeah, yes. Not the that we've animals. ever seen never animals. <laughs> yeah, that's certainly possible. I hadn't thought of that. Never bugs. But I also even wonder if the shadow was the sole inhabitant of Neverland. Well, is it the same shadow? First of all, yes. That's one thing to consider: is is this the same shadow that oh. talked to yes. Pan? Of course, and created Pan. Has to be. Well, they kept calling it Pan's shadow. Yeah, and it's serving Pan, whereas when we got to see the shadow talk to Pan, it seemed like Pan was serving it, and it was in Mm -hmm. control. And And they did... What did Rumpel say at the end about when he made the lost your shadow comparison? Did he say Pan? Well, he said, you lost your shadow. And everyone calls this shadow that we've seen Pan's shadow. Well, you know, remember, Pan did say that thing's gonna be a part of me yeah whenever it was ripping his son away from him yeah so you mm. think it is still the same shadow i definitely think it's the same shadow maybe pan's shadow was bonded to the shadow hmm. the soul inhabitant shadow yeah i don't know they didn't make that clear but it was made clear that that the shadow of neverland was a part of peter pan so hmm. let's assume then it's the same shadow the shadow's dead. Pan is now dead. How do you kill a shadow? What? Well, <laughs> you put it in a coconut a and you throw the question. coconut in the fire. <laughs> I was like, okay, that was bold, dear. She throws it in the fire. Like, what if the coconut had burned? The shadow gets out. Now they have no way to trap it. Instead, we see this nice big black Tied smoke. it up or something. Shouldn't she have been like, hey, will this work to kill the shadow? Because it's completely contained. And I know we need to kill it. Let's Let's make sure we do it right, though. Will this work? I just think I'd have been more careful. How is it that shadows are attracted to light and they can be hurt by light? Is it like moths? Well, tasers can also destroy magic, so, you know, I guess. (laughs) Magic tasers created by Peter Pan. And also coconuts that trap shadows. Hey. (laughs) Well, here's my point, though, in what I was saying is, could, since the shadow and Pan are dead, I wonder if Neverland was destroyed from this. Hmm. I say no. that's interesting because if the shadow was the sole inhabitant, what if the Neverland was somehow tied to the shadow? Because he seemed to be kind of like the caretaker of Neverland. Yeah, Where, I'm going to say it's not probably. IDK. <laughs> <laughs> but Tink is a fairy again. Yeah. Did you notice how? Or she, was she ever uh, not? Well, is she a fairy again? She didn't get her wings. I I kept I kept waiting for her wings to pop out. Well, Blue Fairy said you deserve them. And whenever we've seen a fairy big, then they haven't had their wings. Sure, Tink yes, a couple Tink times has did, popped she, them in. She she did that like shrug thing and yeah. made her wings go away. By the way, I noticed um, when Tink breathed in the fairy dust, it was kind of like when Regina breathed in like the spells mm. in the book yeah like a drug yeah, yeah it was kind of not like a drug oh <laughs> that's what i thought it looked like when regina breathed. I mean, and the like, next thing she was, did is just, light darn you <laughs> to the coconut <laughs> it, it just it was cool that it was so similar that's what i thought of when i was watching that part mm-hmm. 
I'm also wondering how many other people got revived by the shadow's death. Yeah, because we've seen other shadows. We have. In fact, there were other shadows in the shadow place in Neverland. Yeah, two other shadows besides Pan's shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but their bodies might have rotted by now. (laughs) Or been eaten by never animals, apparently. Never animals, if there are (laughs) such things. (laughs) I have no idea. Maybe they'll show us. Yeah, they might. I, I don't know if we'll see this whole shadow ripping thing as part of Once Upon a Time anymore, because that was really Pan's trademark thing. And now that Pan is gone, I think we really can't assume Pan is completely gone. No matter where Rumpelstiltskin is. I'm saying now that Pan and the Shadow are dead, are the people that Pan and the Shadow uh, ripped shadows from going to be around? Well, maybe it's one of those things, kind of like Jeremy, or no, like you were burning out with, if their bodies are dead, then maybe they can't be revived at all. Yeah, but it's magic. (laughs) I could totally... (laughs) They could totally show us Greg again and just well, yeah. and just say magic. <laughs> they made it very clear that That's dead why. is dead. So if they brought Blue back, then she wasn't dead. Right. Which means it was just the shadow being taken, which is actually... That was actually my big problem at the beginning of the season. Because they talked about shadow ripping. And I was like, why does ripping your shadow off kill you? I don't mm. understand why Greg is dead. Unless so... the Neverland animals got to him <laughs> right <laughs> greg burger yeah, no they don't cook animals that's don't not cook. a ship that's a food <laughs> well okay <laughs> so back in gold's shop when everyone gets back together yeah, about that is walk in blue's back she gave us the wand nobody says a word <laughs> nothing it's like okay the town's weird but people nobody people even said oh back. good i'm so glad i yeah, missed her Oh, oh, I was going to go to the viewing later, but back is good. <laughs> oh, great. Now I have now my two o'clock available. Now she can come view me. <laughs> well, I guess I'm going to have to find some other use for this casserole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things I was a little surprised at, uh, when Rumpelstiltskin used the Black Fairy's wand to start this uh, switch, uh, reversing the switch on AKA Pan's body. Seizure. Yeah, I was a little surprised that they didn't show us the eyes again. I didn't point this out in the episode Save Henry when we talked about it. But what happened with the eyes, not just the glow, but there was more than just the glow that happened with the eyes, is here's the sequence of things. Back in the episode Save Henry, when Pan started the switch, his eyes glowed, and then his eyes went black. No more color. Like, not the whole, uh, it was the iris, went black. Kind of like void. And he... The body was kind of just void for a moment there. And then the same thing happened to Henry, that this switch happened. Henry's eyes went black and then glowed, and then it was Pan was in there. And then back Pan or Henry went back into Pan's body. So that I see it as kind of like during the switch, the bodies become void, and that's when the irises turn black. Hmm. I was thinking we would get to see something like that here. That would have made sense. But his eyes were closed. His eyes were closed. Maybe they just decided, eh, we don't have the budget for such a little <laughs> special effect, so let's just keep your eyes closed. We've got a curse to create. <laughs> yeah, this curse is going to be expensive, so no other special effects. No eye glowies. All visual effects come at a price. <laughs> <laughs> In the uh, town square, then, as they're, uh, they're just about to cast this... Um, or as they're learning a little bit more about this curse, that is. Just the running even 
Granny's like, I've got a scent. <laughs> I just that was a that was like a flashback. I liked it, mm-hmm. and nice to see her as small of a part as that was. Nice to see her in this because we also got to see all of the seven dwarfs. Mm-hmm. Um, only Grumpy had a speaking part, or Leroy. Terrible news. <laughs> you should have said that. <laughs> well, the it's coming thing ties back into the pilot. That was his line in the pilot: "Is oh. it's coming," and then it's he here. started raining. Yeah, it's oh. here. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, we also got to see Archie Hopper in with the group at the town line, but he never spoke in this episode. But it was nice to see him. Yeah. Did they know that the curse Pan's version was supposed to kill some of them? I don't think so. I don't think they did well, either. Pan, the curse wasn't going to kill them. Yeah, it was some Pan, of them was. Pan wanted to go kill them because he said, I'm not just going to wipe their memories from his he singled he out the it. friends of rumple yeah yeah because he, he said them it out. will but then he found them he did find them and they were all conveniently together <laughs> so in this scene though when pan and rumplestiltskin or when pan wakes up in rumplestiltskin's office then it's much easier now to say pan and pan's body henry and henry's body mm-hmm. but uh, i think pan you know let's put him up for father of the year award I remember looking at you, the littlest babe, helpless and all mine. Those big, big eyes just full of tears, oh. pulling at me, oh. pulling away my name, huh? my money, my time, <laughs> pulling away any hope of making my life into something better for myself. This pink, naked, squirming little lava. That wanted to eat my dreams alive and never stop. Can't I be free of you? Well, isn't he father of the year? <laughs> yeah. Which is Worst what Hook said to Cora. Dad ever. <laughs> he was like, you're 200. I, I, I become immortal and I can't outlive you? What the heck? Yeah. It's horrible. I hate him so much. And that is <laughs> to get really meta, for lack of a word that makes any sense. That's where Rumple was once laid out recovering hmm. and saying the opposite to Bay, if I'm not mistaken. A little bit, but not the whole selfishness thing. I said the opposite. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but the uh, the cuff that greg and tamara used on regina she hasn't forgotten about that by the way (laughs) pan made it yeah nope well yeah who else is there oh yeah well and i think that's so crafty that also explains (laughs) well i think that also explains then that pan made the taser and since pan can just imagine everything and oh yeah that makes a lot more sense actually (laughs) how they would have all these things and how they would have walkie-talkies that are suddenly full of sand it's just like poof your batteries are now sand (laughs) yeah exactly so knowing then that pan has been in control pan has made all of this stuff pan has been the one maybe helping track down magic like the dragon and storybrooke and other things like that Hmm. It, it makes a bit more sense looking back at all of that but Rumple, I was a little saddened at first at Rumple's initial reactions to when Pan put the cuff on him is that he became a coward again. 
a did. bit of a coward. At least this time he tried to go for the sword, but his, he his response, it. yeah, was he coward. overcame it though. Yeah, which was awesome. I mean, I didn't expect anything. I didn't expect anything else from him. I mean, I, I expected when his matic was all gone, he would become just the same old Rumpelstiltskin, the town coward. But it was awesome to see that he overcame it. Because I think this time he was thinking about the others instead of himself. Mm-hmm. But he even said that. He said, I've come too far uh, for them, to let them Did he go. cut his hand off? No, he didn't cut it off. He was seriously considering it. I think he right? was right about to, yeah. I mean, it would have made sense. It would have made sense for him to cut his hand off, get that thing off, hmm. and then just magic his hand back on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But <laughs> probably while he was holding the sword and about to do it, because we saw him right about to do it, and then it looked like he had a thought, a revelation. That's probably when he realized, wait a minute. That dagger. My dagger. In a sense, he would have been out of his cowardice because he he's always used magic as a crutch to mm-hmm. get away from being a coward. He would have been wounding himself again. Yeah. But this time for a good reason. Yeah. Except that the real brave thing to do was to end it once and for all. Mm-hmm. That which... was truly brave. I yeah. like this ending better. Mm. Yeah. It would have made it was more logical for him to cut his hand off and then magic it back on. But I like this ending better. <laughs> this, this was much more emotional, much more. Mm-hmm. I won't exactly say giving us closure though, because no. the big question was where is he and what happened? Is he really dead? And well, where's the this? other dark one? He died. Yeah, but that was because Rumple killed him with the dagger. But see, I guess I don't understand why the only way to kill Pan was for him to die himself. I think that goes back to what Rumpel had been saying so many times throughout season three is that in order to defeat Pan, Rumpel would have to die. Yes, but that's the prophecy. Why, Why did that work? Why was that necessary? Why was it necessary for Rumpelstiltskin to die, for Pan to die? Why? I don't know. Why? I can't really explain that, but it's something that he knew, and maybe he finally had the click in his mind of what the prophecy meant, is that in order to save Henry, he had to undo himself, to die. It just doesn't make complete sense Hmm. to me. I think now that we can see that the whole Henry being his undoing thing, I'd say that happened. It did happen. It's it's not as direct as we thought, but go back and realize that if it wasn't for Henry and if it wasn't for their going to get Henry. I think it was direct. Then then this whole situation wouldn't have been even upon them. Pan would not have come to Storybrooke if they hadn't gone to save Henry. It was direct because Henry put his heart into Peter Pan's chest. Yeah, but then Henry got his heart back. He he did. But if Henry had done that, then Peter Pan wouldn't have needed to been to have been killed by Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. because he would have died there in Neverland. So I think Pan or Rumpel is just connecting these dots and realizing this is that moment. Mm-hmm. This is my moment, my moment, my moment. This 
is my moment. <laughs> oh my gosh. You faced it really well. I loved his speeches. When he brought his shadow back, some things said. happened here a little bit quickly that uh, you may have missed that the shadow did go back into Rumpelstiltskin, mm -hmm. which made me initially wonder, did that give him back some of his magic? I don't know. He still had the cuff on, though. Yeah. Maybe he just wanted to be whole when he died. But he was able to hold Pan. Or maybe there was something about blood magic thing that just simply being held so tightly by Rumpel, Pan couldn't escape that because he was like, being imprisoned in a sense by Rumpel's bear hug. You would think a bear hug wouldn't work for Pan, <laughs> but it did. He is kind of a skinny guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could have, he could have like, I think I'm standing over there instead of here in my son's oh, arms. Yeah. Well, can he do that there? I guess he could. Yeah, he could. Yeah, he did that basically with the cuff that he just held it in his mm -hmm. hand and then imagined it onto Rumpel's. Maybe he was arm. just. Maybe he was so distracted by, I hate this person who's holding me. Maybe, maybe there were more awkward things than the closeness <laughs> of their faces in this scene. Kind of like, oh my gosh, we've done too much with magic. <laughs> we don't know how to get around it and have anyone be defeated ever again. I loved him when Rumpelstiltskin said, hello, Papa. Because <laughs> he was an old guy again. I enjoyed seeing that. I was I was hoping we'd get to see that and not see... Peter Pan dies as a young boy, but as, you know, the true... It definitely yeah, back made to the Malcolm. scene mm -hmm. less disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what happened here, to clarify, because I know some people are a little unsure about this, Rumpelstiltskin stabbed himself as well through Pan. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, if you watch wow. Rumpelstiltskin's face, you'll see pain yeah. on his face. He's controlling himself a bit more. But it's still there. The way he's breathing, mm -hmm. the way his mouth is moving, his expressions. He's hurting too. He's stabbed himself through Pan. And he basically said that the only way to kill Pan was to kill both of them. Just want to know why. And why? Mm -hmm. yeah, I, well, I, still, I think it goes back to know. the prophecy still, thing. Yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> but do you think that Rumpelstiltskin really is dead? I guess we'll find out. We got <laughs> we got a lot of feedback on this point. Jill said, didn't the previous Dark One try to kill himself and he could not? He needed someone else to kill him and take over the Dark One power. So how can Rumpel kill himself along with his father? I don't know. Good question. But maybe it has something to do with the fact that he's killing his father at the same time with the dagger as killing himself. Maybe it's like the almost like a back to the future, you know, going back in the past and shooting your grandfather sort of thing. Not quite. I'm not saying that it is time travel, anything, but maybe there's something about that, that because he's killing his father, he's able to kill himself, too. Yuck. Chris said, <laughs> hey, guys, so let's assume Rumpel is indeed dead. Q Vader. No, do not want. <laughs> how does that, how does this fulfill the prophecy? Everyone seems to be glossing over that, probably from the trauma of actually losing Rumpel, but I digress. I think we've talked about this a little bit already that indirectly, and Jenny would say directly, that Henry was the undoing of Rumpelstiltskin. 
He well, yeah, depending <laughs> on which either boy that you think it was was yeah. the undoing somehow. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I don't know. This scene it was so moving and yet the more I think about exactly what happened, I'm like Really? You you stabbed yourself through another person. I'm not even sure the dagger was quite that long. I guess it was, and I don't really know why you did it. I think that it has something to do with a prophecy, but I'm not sure why, and I don't know. I don't understand. If he had just killed Pan with the dagger, would Pan have become... Pan would not have become the Dark One, because Pan would have had to kill him with the right. dagger. yeah. Which imagine if that happened, I would have been terrible. That would have been amazing. Floria said, I think that Rumpel killed Pan and died himself. What we know is that a person who kills the Dark One becomes the Dark One himself. If Rumpel kills himself through Pan, then there is no next Dark One. Thus, the Dark One disappears. Why does that have to happen? I think uh, maybe it could be changing the character not killing the character completely but changing the nature of the character huh and this is similar to a theory that we got from nikki saying when rumple died he showed none of the pain or struggle that pan did well i'd say he showed some of it i think the undoing was rumple losing his dark oneness and maybe he ended up back in fairy tale land I think Pan is dead because we saw his youth being stripped away. So, yeah, he's dead. But Rumpel, maybe, and hopefully, is a different story. Thanks for the great podcast. Yeah, I think... Thanks, Nikki. I think that that could be another way to look at this, is that what we'll see is when Rumpelstiltskin is back again. He'll be Rumpelstiltskin, not the Dark One. So he'll have undone his Dark One powers by doing this, by, like... uh, like Floria said, killing the Dark One, but not killing Rumpelstiltskin. Maybe. I don't know how that makes any more sense than... I don't know how any of it makes any sense, actually, at this point. They didn't set it up for us, mm-hmm. I don't think. They did not clearly link, okay, here's what has to happen in order for Pan to die, or here's a limitation, or anything, really. They just kind of said things as they ran through the streets and then did them. And I didn't really understand it. Well, they couldn't quite stop to explain things, even though they did. Well, that's what foreshadowing is for, my friends. And yes, you kept saying that it was necessary to die in order to kill Pan, but you never said why. Well, that's his interpretation is that undoing means death. And I accepted that at that time. But at this point, since he could have just sort of popped in and stabbed him, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. just don't get it once a believer said as far as the future holds i don't think we have seen the last of rumple or pan and i think that adam and eddie wouldn't kill off a character so beloved and essential to the show taking to twitter uh, the lack of goodbyes to him from the cast and himself is a good sign of what's to come unless maybe all the cast were told don't say goodbye to him on twitter <laughs> I mean, we've heard before that the cast have been told, you can talk about all of these theories, don't talk about this one. And that's happened. So it could be that the cast has been told that. 
I mean, they're under certain contracts and obligations. And even I know that with the couple cast members that we've gotten to interview, I know that we're not allowed to ask them spoiler based questions because mm-hmm. they're not allowed to answer them right. about the future. They're, they're not even necessarily allowed to speculate much on their own. Right. So I could see that the cast just was forbidden from talking about this. Also, David said, I don't think Rumpel is dead. Even though the cuff blocked his magic, his dagger is also magical. So I think when he stabbed Pan with it and they both disappeared, that Rumpel used the dagger to somehow teleport to another realm or location. Why else do you think the ultimate death of the Dark One would end up being a flash of light instead of just death? Rumpel has cheated death before and seen this as seen that his undoing was his father in the form of a boy. His prophecy has finally come to pass, but maybe instead of death, it was redemption of the past and maybe stripping away his magic, becoming a hero by sacrificing himself to save the people he care he cares most about. So I'm willing to believe that we see Rumpel in maybe Enchanted Forest or maybe even in New York to meet Emma. I also believe that we will see Storybrooke again, even though the book looked as if it disappeared with the town. I suspect that this book will be a main focus in the second half of the season. If the Blue Fairy did indeed create the book, it has to have magical properties. Why else do you think they hinted in the flashback with Blue Fairy and Snow? Maybe it's the key to magically bringing back the town and its residents and even helping Henry to believe again. Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for the podcast Mm -hmm. from David. Thank you, David. Yeah, let's assume for a moment that it wasn't closure to kind of half explain the book and give it its backstory, kind of, and then show it in the fog. I, in my initial reaction was that it would appear in Emma's closet now hmm. when it was needed. And that would actually be kind of fun to see them rediscover the book together. Yeah. Maybe Emma will believe and Henry won't. Or what could Although be... Although he is the truest believer, so... What could be cool to see would be when the season picks back up again in March to go back to the scene when the book is swallowed up with the smoke and then see after the smoke dissipates that the town is completely gone, the bedroom is gone, the house is gone, but the book is still there on the ground Mm -hmm. in the forest. Interesting. And by the way... The curse cloud was so much more effective than Jumanji style vines popping out of buildings and signs and things. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) So Regina's cost this time wasn't sacrificing the heart of the thing she loved most, but it's kind of like reversing the curse a little bit. It's sacrificing what filled the void that the curse created in her heart, sacrificing being able to be with the thing she loved the most, Maybe which is Henry. Maybe it's sacrificing all the things she hated most. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, those were the people and things she hated. Now, there is some confusion over what this new curse and breaking the curse actually did, but I think Regina's first explanation here is pretty clear on this. The curse that brought us to Storybrooke, that created Storybrooke. It doesn't belong here. And neither do any of us. Breaking a curse destroys the town. It will wink out of existence as though it were never here. And everyone will go back to where they're from. 
prevented from ever returning. You'll go back to the Enchanted Forest. All of us, except Henry. He will stay here because he was born here. So the key here is that she said, as though it were never in existence. Yes. And as far as the new curse, old curse thing goes, they did say early on, too, that destroying the scroll, if she did it, it would destroy both curses. Mm -hmm. Pan's and hers. So this isn't changing the past at all. And we get some more clarification on this later. It's as if the town never existed in everyone's memories, or at least Emma's memories. We don't know about the memories of I thought it was the pretty Enchanted clear. Forest people. I thought it was pretty clear that they would all retain their memories. Well, since Pan clearly did, unless something got it back. Um, what do you mean? I mean, moving, moving on to when, hook. when um, they get back to Enchanted Forest, they would still have their memories. Yeah. I thought that was pretty clear. Yeah, I think, yeah. And so oh, they would okay. they would remember all this. And I mean, Hook remembered it. Mm-hmm. He came back for her. Yeah. yeah. So she was the only one that could stay back, but the cost of staying back was that she would lose her memories of all of Storybrooke, as if it it had never existed. Who? Emma. Oh. And so that's why Regina was going to give her new memories. Right. From this. We've talked about the redemption of Regina's character. I would say, in my eyes, at this point, she's redeemed. Mm-hmm. She is no yeah. longer a villain. She's I, not the evil queen anymore. Yeah, Henry even said, you're not a villain. You're my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, you just mentioned um, Regina giving Emma and Henry good memories. The way that she started saying that, she said, my gift to you is... And that made <laughs> me think of the fairies and... Uh, the cartoon version of Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> That's funny because just as you started saying that, I thought of her saying that too. And it's actually also very similar to the way she said her threat at Snow and Charming's wedding. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Remind us that, a little bit of what that was. At that time, it was her gift to them was this the, happy, happy yes. day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> about regina nikki said there would be no point for her to be evil again because she cannot hurt snow and charming in fairy tale land due to rumple's spell in the second season so maybe she will work against the danger hook mentioned with snow and charming or will reconcile with snow now that her family henry is gone yeah and really the whole neverland thing and the whole search for henry was one of the most believable ways to rapidly reconcile everybody that they could have possibly done. Because those sorts of extreme circumstances would tend to bond a group regardless of their past. So I feel like she kind of got over it, finally, after however many decades it's been since she lost Daniel. (laughs) Although she did say just a couple episodes ago that she has no regrets. That's true. That's because she drank. She drank the potion. I still think that's why she has no regrets. Oh, well, that's true. But from this, I think think this is really her redemption. 
So yeah, I don't definitely. count her a villain anymore. Rumpelstiltskin as well. I think this has been his yep. redemption. He yep. sacrificed himself when he had absolutely no magic. Mm-hmm. He was no longer a coward. He sacrificed himself because he wanted to save the others. The villains in this episode, like there was, there were two themes in this episode. There was hope, and there were there, there was the the other theme of of you know villains never get hap- their happy endings. Mm-hmm. But the villains in this episode righted their wrongs. I love to see that happen. Yeah, Hook. I'd say we've seen him for many many episodes trying so hard to be to right his wrongs. Yeah, and just having such disdain over his reputation as a a villain or as a pirate and just like yeah i know (laughs) speaking of hook i think emma was really into hook because he said uh i will never stop looking for you isn't that what he said he said thinking yeah there's not a day will go by i won't think of you and she said good Mm-hmm. So I feel like Captain Swan ship coming And on. then she need him between the legs. <laughs> you <laughs> <Pretty> know, <much>. later. <laughs> and here's something to consider. Because one of the reasons... Let me back up and defend why I've been such a, uh, a Swanfire shipper. Uh, <laughs> is not only for the fact that they had a kid together. Mm-hmm. But also, Emma even said, I still love you. When I saw you, I realized I still loved you. Yeah. All of that. I wanted her to face that pain. And get over it Mm -hmm. and their love be stronger. But I think what's going to happen in this next part of season three is that we'll see Neil die in Enchanted Forest. Oh, dear. Close your mouth. (laughs) Well, I mean, Neil... Neil gave such a... It was just not a nothing goodbye speech. Oh, yeah, I'm going back there. (laughs) I mean, and and Hook was like, I'm never going to stop thinking about you. So, <laughs> which one gave the best <laughs> goodbye speech? That is a little annoying. Yeah. That is annoying, especially since they loved each other. I knew something felt like it was missing, and it was Neil almost entirely from the goodbye scenes. Mm-hmm. He was kind of, I didn't even think kinda, he said goodbye to Henry, nonchalant. but he had his arm around him in the background. But yeah, he didn't really get to say anything, which actually, now that I think that about it, I'm really me. annoyed by Yeah, I'm annoyed by it, too. We're annoyed! We're annoyed! And the chat room right now is really annoyed at me for saying that Neil might die. <laughs> no, I'm just going to randomly pick a character and say, I think they're going to die. No. But I think that with Hook now in the future, and we're not ready to talk about that yet, but with him in the future, it we could open this opportunity for him to win Emma's heart without the presupposition or without the the uh, the idea that emma has that he's a pirate and can't be trusted can't be respected he's gonna have to change his clothes yeah but he may have an equal chance now to win her heart starting from ground one instead of ground (laughs) minus 20 maybe in the next episode we'll see captain hook and civilian clothing (laughs) that'd be weird yeah would be that'd be kind of cool though but here at the town line when uh, when we learn a little bit more about the curse, that what the curse does is erases people's memories. That's a cost, I think. Now we know part of the cost to everyone else for being transported is they lose their memories. So it was Regina's idea to give everyone these fake memories mm-hmm. and Regina's idea of what these memories would be for everyone. And so that was her gift then to Emma. 
Well, I think it was all... I think the curse was very carefully designed to do what it originally did. Yeah. You want the memories erased. You want to be able to give them fake memories to keep them imprisoned mm-hmm. and slaves and not even really know it. Ignorance. Oh, and one other thing that she said that kind of clarifies that when she changed the curse, it didn't mean that Storybrooke never existed. I know. It's just that she said it, so they shouldn't have said it that way. Right. But when she said Storybrooke won't have existed, it was within the context of memories. Yeah. That's what I got. And uh, it'll be as if Storybrooke never existed. She said the words won't ever have existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where it makes it sound like she changed the past. But it's... Yeah. But it's in the context of memories. And what she's then said after that is your past won't be real. So she's not even changing Emma's past. If Storybrooke never actually existed, then the past that Emma will remember would actually have been real. But she's clarifying here, your past won't be real, but you'll remember it this way. So I think... So many things. Yeah, the wording in this one particular case makes it seem like they're changing the past, but I think it's pretty clear. I think it's very clear. I'm not confused at all. Everybody going back to Enchanted Forest (laughs) is going to retain memories and everything will have happened the way, you know, they'll remember everything. And just Emma and Henry, since they stayed behind and didn't go to the Enchanted Forest, they get new memories. Otherwise, there would be this void and all these questions, and that was Regina's I think what adds to any confusion is that besides the the uncareful wording is the fact that a person who was never affected by the curse in any way, shape, or form would have her memories altered. How can Regina even give her false memories if she's not even being touched by the curse? It makes no sense. But, well, yeah... True. They were not touched by the curse at any point. They were across the town line, never, ever affected by it. And yet. But maybe it's. One word. Magic. (laughs) Maybe it's by crossing the town line this time, they were going to lose their memories. No, because because that never happened before. Yeah. I know some some technical things we can really get in. That was with the curse in place. This is with the curse gone. So it changes things. wasn't broken yet. Well, it was changed. It was Although, revoked. even the barrier curse was kind of a stretch from the beginning, but well, that was season two. We don't here's, talk about that. Here's the thing in this. I think this is the connection with this. The curse itself did one thing here, and that is remove Storybrooke and take everyone back to Enchanted Forest or back to where they belong. But Emma, because she's the product of true love and she was written into this curse, basically, she can escape it. Even though she was born in Enchanted Forest, she can escape this curse. But the cost of her escaping it is that she would lose her memories. Why don't we just call up Eddie and Adam and get them to explain it to us? The the way I choose to reconcile it in my mind is the same way I choose to reconcile the idea that they could have current movies and that they could have cell phone service and things like that. It's almost as if the curse had to not only write Storybrooke into our world, but also little, uh, you could call them roots, like from a tree or a plant, out into the rest of the world to make Storybrooke plausible. Like, yeah, it exists. The adoption agency can kind of see that it exists. They've never heard of it, but they they can, I guess, do whatever background checks they have to do. There are addresses. It works. Mm, yeah. Even though nobody ever goes there. So I guess in that way, it could reach out... 
And it could even change people's memories, like remove a memory of Storybrooke, I suppose. Then again, Emma's different and she can leave. Even though she was born in Enchanted Forest, even though she was never affected by the curse. I don't know. The mechanics are really fuzzy. Well, remember that we saw August affected from the other side of the world. Mm, in what way? When, when Emma took He's turning an into action, wood. Yeah, mm. when Emma took action in Storybrooke to decide to stay... Then he started to turn That's into a weight. whole other thing. So, that has nothing to do with the curse. That was like his promise yeah. that gave him his life. But it was a little bit connected. A little bit. A little so bit. so I think that's <laughs> that adds a little more support to your idea. It's just the sci-fi in me, if nothing else, really likes, even if I'm suspending my disbelief anyway. You like it, for it to be explainable. I do. I like yeah. it to make sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and some of the lines in there, it was also stated that Emma was created to break the curse. That's not true. The she, curse was right. formulated that so too. that Emma could break it. Mm-hmm. So some of the dialogue, though touching and moving, was kind of soft. So on there the you go. Eddie and Adam, you need to have Jeremy on. <laughs> so we're going to help you write. Challenge accepted. <laughs> it's magic. challenge posed i wouldn't be opposed to that challenge being posed before we jump forward a year to new york city i want to tell you about some people who have made a magical moment for us once upon a fangirl (laughs) from the united states of america (laughs) and mattia c from the usa have both left very kind reviews for us in itunes and not just the little stars but something even more magical than that is they left a written review for us. Thank you so much for those reviews. They encourage us and they help other people find the podcast too. If you haven't written a review for us yet, we'd love to have one from you. Please go to oncepodcast.com slash iTunes and you can leave a review. Or if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, that's a great way to subscribe as well. Thank you. So this last scene, one year later in New York City <laughs> and this Adam and Eddie had said that they knew they had some kind of plan of how they deal with Henry's age. Now we see that, that they've jumped forward a year. Mm -hmm. They've caught up with Henry's aging. Now he can age normally and we'd be completely okay. (laughs) There's no stuff in it. (laughs) 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 But Yes, the clock was at 8.15, an iPad mini clock (laughs) at 8.15, and it was playing, or we start to hear Lou Reed's song, Charlie's Girl. Have we heard that again? I mean, have we heard that before? Yeah, that was in the second season uh, premiere episode when we started to see Neil walking around town in New York City also. That's just a New York City song, isn't it? (laughs) All of New York City has a theme song. And it's Charlie's girl. <laughs> and it was one of those things that I felt like really tied it back into the story and was just awesome to hear that again. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're living in um, Neil's old, <laughs> I want to call it a flat, because no. I've been watching too much Sherlock Holmes no, apartment? This is, this is a much nicer apartment. Okay, is that where, Bigger. Is that where Emma used to live as a bail, bail bonds person? Where nope. did she live exactly? She lived in Boston. And her apartment number was, what was it, four? This apartment number is 311. I wonder what brought them to New York City. This apartment is completely different layout and everything. Yeah, because one would think that they drove somewhere after Storybrooke, maybe with a fake memory of where they were going or where they were coming from, but they wouldn't have had any stuff anywhere. Yeah. Well, Emma, remember, would keep her stuff in the bug. 
Yeah. So maybe to them... She moved in with Mary Margaret, though. Yeah, but maybe she still kept her stuff in the bug. That'd be weird. Or some of it. Maybe to them, what they were thinking is, we're moving from Boston to New York City. And that was their memory. Maybe so. Just abandoning everything. <laughs> Don't know how we got out in the middle of nowhere, but, you know... <laughs> And maybe, maybe took it a was, wrong turn. Maybe it's just hazy. Why are we in Maine? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I noticed. How a, did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed a couple books on the bookshelves. Yay. I got really excited at first <laughs> when I saw these, these, that, these titles were really hard to read. And at first, I thought one of the books on the bookshelf next to where Henry was watering the plants said Polar Bear. On the outside. <laughs> I was wrong, though. When say? I found a higher quality go. version of the video, the original one I got from iTunes, it was actually, it says Polar Star. No. Oh. But the clock did still say 815, <laughs> yeah. so that's okay. Well, and Polar Star is uh, a novel, and you can look it up. You can get the actual same book on Amazon. <laughs> There's a Do little bit... Do you think bit, they plan these things? Do you think they it. plan their plot, their... Oh, what are those? Props. Uh, some of it. plan yeah. those? Yeah, some of it, yes. And Maybe it's just like, hey, anybody on set got a book? Here's one of the things about this book, Polar Star. This is from a review that someone wrote of the book on Amazon.com, and I'll have links in the show notes for this. It says, the second novel in the Arcady Renko series is the one I actually read first. Renko it has escaped his enemies by going to work in a factory ship, the Polar Star. Here, he will have to use his talents to solve the murder of a young Georgian, Soviet Georgian, that is, woman who had been in contact with Americans. As in Gorky Park, the Americans are not portrayed too kindly, which only adds to realism of the story. The most extraordinary thing about this book is the absolute control that Smith has of its setting, blah, blah, blah. One of the things that this does is... Uh, this book in this series of books, as this reviewer says, it doesn't advance the romantic line of the story. But this character, the main character in Polar Star, is an investigator. And some of it is a little bit about finding the truth, uncovering the mystery hmm. behind something when he was exiled to somewhere far off. Sweet. So maybe some potential tie-in. The other book that I could read. Well, Emma's kind of like a, like a. What did you call that person? A spy. Bail bonds person. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> what Emma is in the book. What is the guy? Oh, an investigator. Investigator. That's kind of what she is. Yeah. As a bail bonds a woman. A little bit. Yeah. And the only other book that I could read, the biggest words on it were actually the name of the author, which was Gore Vital. And he's written several books, and I couldn't quite figure out which book this was, but he's written some novels, some history books, a whole bunch of books like Creation, a novel, The City and the Pillar, uh, Lincoln, Julian, uh, Burr, United States Essays, uh, Perpetual War, uh, a whole bunch of things. He was even uh, a screenwriter assistant on the Ben-Hur movie. <laughs> So these things, at this point, since I couldn't tell which book it was to actually find anything about the book, uh, I couldn't really find much about this character, but I mean, this writer, 
but there are a bunch of books that he's written. So maybe some of this might have just been they grabbed some props and <laughs> stuck it in. <laughs> Not knowing that some of us would look at 1080p versions and zoom in really close and study it hard well, actually, and run it through Photoshop and press the magical enhance I button. I wish Aaron J were, were on, on the show with us right now because I just asked that question and she said yes. Because she was, she was looking through some screenshots and... She noticed some books and hmm. she fit. See, she ugh, words. She sent <laughs> feedback last year about the library books in Bell's library, and she says they totally plan it. Yeah, yeah. And we read well the the excerpt that Rumpelstiltskin had quoted in the library had some really cool stuff in the context of that tiny little quote that he recited. But we got this great moment when Hook came to the door. Marty! You've got to come back with me. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Your family's in trouble. Your family's yeah. in trouble. Okay, yeah. So I, this whole, <laughs> the whole New York scene, honestly, I thought would have been amazing as the beginning of the next episode. Like just a cold start. Mm-hmm. It would have been great. It would have been yeah, but great now we're, for so many reasons. Now we're wanting more. It's like, what the I heck? know. So. I want more less than I did would have if they'd cut off before <laughs> that scene. Because I would have just been like, oh my gosh, what is next? Now how, I'm, I know what's next. How did he find her? They got to tell us. They're going to tell us. Yeah, they're going to tell us. They're going to tell us. Well, they jumped forward a year. And now I think they'll have those flashbacks to tell us. So it's not going to be flashing back to, I think it won't be flashing back to past Enchanted Forest. I think we'll see present day Enchanted Forest with all of the good guys there and maybe a bad guy somewhere, maybe the the Black Fairy, maybe someone else. And we'll also see Emma and we'll see Hook probably trying again to win Emma's heart, make her think about these things. Hmm. Yeah. They need new villains. They do. Because they absolutely cannot go back and make the old villains villains again. Well, they've they've either killed or redeemed all of their villains. Exactly. Now. It would be too frustrating to go back. Maybe Mulan will be the bad guy now. <laughs> or maybe or maybe No, because they already defeated the Wraiths. Or maybe the Wraiths. There are more the than Wraith's one. The Wraiths cousin. Wraiths. Ooh, maybe they'll have to do another ogre war because now um, Enchanted Forest is overrun with ogres, mm-hmm. right? Probably. Oh, that they're was not something... going to have Rubble Stiltson to you know to to run to and say help, help. <laughs> <laughs> We're dying. How can you save us? <laughs> yeah. So the, if <laughs> if the curse was broken, broken and undone, does that mean some things in the Enchanted Forest were put back, like? Snow and Charming's palace. I don't think so. I think that it will be that they'll get back to Enchanted Forest and discover that everything is as it was. And they're now characters back there to be in this world and rebuild things. Because actually, that's what Snow had said and suggested to Charming, that that was something Snow wanted to do, thinking that that would, could be a way that she could redeem herself from killing Korra yeah. is is by going back and uh, helping to rebuild Enchanted Forest. True. 
I know, but it, I don't know. It could go either way, in a way. You you might, but it said, there was something about, to me, and maybe I'm just seeing too much potential that they're not going to explore. There's something about saying everyone will go back where they belong that mm. makes me wonder what the full ramifications of that will be. Mm. Like, Ariel, does she now have only a fin? Well, where, not necessarily what. Yeah, but I think she was. Just, she belongs in the sea. <laughs> I think she just meant everybody will go back to their realms. Yeah. They'll have all the memories that they still have. They'll just, you know, be swooshed. Yeah, back it to could their be kingdom. that simple. I was just thinking in terms of don't make it complicated. Well, but it might be that might be because there's not. I don't well, know. I guess it's, we'll see, Daddy. Despite what I just said about them kind of showing us what's next, there it's hard to imagine even where the plot can possibly go at this point. Mm-hmm. Clearly, they have something, but so I'm just wondering if there certainly there will be wrinkles, and apparently something terrible has happened. Your mind is a complicated year. place. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple things that I noticed about Emma and thought about this. Uh, one, she still has one of the same necklaces that she's worn before. It's not the swan necklace, she's but not this wearing is the swan necklace. I guess why would she? Wait, she gave that yeah. back, didn't she? Uh, didn't she give that back to Neil? I don't. I'm pretty sure that. she did. Whenever she found him in New York City, oh. but she gave it back to him. She's wearing one of her other necklaces that she's had, still wearing it, and she was wearing a. Band around her left wrist. Yeah. What? And that's where she has a tattoo, which we even saw very clearly in this episode in the the changed version of 11 years ago when Henry was born, that when she was holding the side of that bed, she had that tattoo on her mm-hmm. left wrist. And in this, in New York City, I think she's wearing a little band there, maybe covering it up. I think the real person jennifer morrison got a tattoo no and they're just trying she doesn't have a tattoo um there there is an actual story to that tattoo which we haven't heard yet interesting that is interesting that's actually really cool i like stuff like that the one other thing to think about with emma is she has magic yes and she's in new york city but she doesn't know she has magic so maybe part of what will happen for her to remember things is she's going to discover that she can do things <laughs> and not understand why. What effect do you think had a kiss with Hook been true love's kiss <laughs> somehow, um, even though we've seen in the past that the person actually has to remember you in order for it to be true love's kiss? What effect do you think he well, was hoping for? Memories? Not remember. Yeah. Just admire or love or appreciate oh remember? yeah you're right you're right remember snow's snow kind of fell in quick love with yeah, him she did. and she didn't remember him until you're instant right. love just add an arrow <laughs> <laughs> Cupid's arrow. arrow. <laughs> it never misses its target <laughs> <laughs> oh the old days I love it. Yeah, yeah so and and here's the thing too they probably all have their memories i feel like emma has to have her memory restored at some point then she can be both. But she has to have her <laughs> memories of her time with Henry and her real life in order to be fully her character again. Otherwise, like, Neil, she still thinks Neil left her to be in prison. And that was it. Mm-hmm. 
that's still what she thinks. So it's just too frustrating to just leave her that way. Or maybe Regina changed that yeah, past could memory be as well. Maybe. That her memory there is just... That he really did die. He died. He left. Whatever. Maybe she now believes the story she used to tell Henry. Mm-hmm. He was a fireman <laughs> and he died. Yeah. Saving someone. Yeah. Interesting. If that doesn't happen, you need to write for the show too. <laughs> 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 i don't want that job oh okay <laughs> well gosh just turn them down it's a hollywood job and you just turned it down <laughs> so this is something that we're going to continue talking about and theorizing about and that's what our forums are for over at oncepodcast.com slash forums the sad news is well two items of sad news one is that once Upon a Time won't be back on until March. We'll release a couple podcast episodes before then and do some fun things with you guys uh, to help you through this hiatus. But we'll be taking a break, too. We need a little bit of a break. and <laughs> Got some big things going on during that same time. But there's also another bit of little sad news. Oh, you tell it. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny has decided to resign from the podcast. So this is the last time, last regular time that Jenny will be joining us for the podcast. It's been fun. In both Once Upon a Time and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. So it's been fun. It's been great. I'll miss you, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I still live here yeah but you won't remember it will be as if the podcast never <laughs> existed <laughs> oh no you'll have, i'm you'll not just, ready you'll have your memories <laughs> it'll just, where it was just you and lucy the dog uh, upstairs all the time oh gosh you're just you're making me depressed now. <laughs> and <laughs> this will make you even more depressed the chat room is more upset that you're leaving than once upon a time is going on hiatus <laughs> Yeah. I don't know about that. Oh, count the number of O's in that <laughs> that line there that says no and <laughs> goes on for basically forever. <laughs> well, yeah, we will miss you, but uh, you still live here. We're I still married. Still so- <laughs> yeah, and maybe I'll come like stick my face in the camera sometimes. Yeah, and there there's always an extra mic for Jenny. So anytime that Jenny decides that she wants to say something on a particular episode, Such whether... As- Hey, everybody. (laughs) Or or provide a certain theory and then bow out. Then, you know, that's still open. So it's not like she's going to completely disappear. But you might hear from her again. But just as a regular part of this. I'm not going to be like Storybrooke. I'm not going to completely disappear. (laughs) Don't be that town. Don't be that town. (laughs) So your lesson from this is don't be that town. But we'll still have some great fun in the future of once podcast and wow this was a long episode but you can get the show notes if you want to check it out some of the screenshots and links that we mentioned over at oncepodcast.com slash 129 and if you want to send us feedback for we'll have some upcoming discussion episodes feedback episodes and also you can always send us feedback about the latest episode of once upon a time when it airs by sending it to feedback at oncepodcast.com or call and leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can also go to oncepodcast.com on your computer or iOS device and send a voice message to us through the website, and it goes right into our uh, inbox as well. And we can try and incorporate that into future episodes of the podcast. Just remember that Once Upon a Time won't return until March, 
but still plenty of awesome things to do. We might schedule a rewatch. Someone figured out that there's exactly the number of Sundays left. It's 11 Sundays. (laughs) So you have an opportunity here to watch each of the season three episodes all over again before season three continues. And I might do some of that. It actually makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And as of the time of this recording, we are 80 days, 20 hours, 55 (laughs) minutes and 33 seconds from the premiere of, well, the second half of the season. And uh, then also Once Upon a Time in Wonderland also returns on March 6th. And we'll Mm -hmm. finish out with the final episodes of the 13 episodes total that we'll get from that that Jane Espenson has said. But also that podcast will continue without Jenny, unfortunately. I don't know how it will continue, but somehow it will continue without Jenny. (laughs) And we'd love for you to follow us. Connect with us through the website, oncepodcast.com and our forums. And follow us on Twitter at oncepodcast. And you can follow each of us individually. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at Twitter.com slash Jenny Snook. Before we go on the winter hiatus, I'm so pleased to thank several people who helped make the podcast possible. Slurpees108 for organizing our feedback, Jack for writing our show notes, John Buchanan for editing our episodes, Hunter Hathaway for providing spoilers, Rumpel's Girl and Matthew Paul for moderating the forums, Alias Scape and Aaron J for moderating the chat room, Jeremy and Jenny for hosting the podcast with me, and you for being part of this great community. And until next time, remember to have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and with the hiatus coming up, start preparing your souls because I know mine's going to take some time. And thanks for listening. (laughs) Once Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode of One's Podcast. If you'd like to donate to support an episode or several episodes automatically, please go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor.